I'm excited about what's going to be coming in this new year. I'm not concerned about what ends up happening with my government. I've given it to God. I prayed. Whatever happens is in His hands. Whatever happens, God's still going to be God. Whatever happens, I'm still going to serve Him. I'm still going to have my faith in God. My faith has never been in my government. And some of you have known from times past, our government's let us down a few times. People will let you down. Your faith need not be in your pastor. Your faith should be in Jesus Christ. I don't want anybody putting their faith in me. I'm a man. I want your faith in Jesus Christ. I want to point you to Jesus Christ. But sooner or later, I'm a human. I hope I don't disappoint anyone. But sooner or later, there may be something I say or whatever you don't agree with. And I might disappoint you. But your faith should be in Jesus Christ, not your pastor. Yes, you should be able to trust your pastor and and you should have confidence in your pastor. But, but you shouldn't put your faith in man. Your faith shouldn't be in, in, in men of, at any level. Your faith should be in Jesus Christ. Your trust is in Him. He is the one that's going to bring us through. He is the one that should be giving us day-to-day instruction for our lives. If we're fellowshipping with God, if we've got a relationship with Jesus Christ, He will guide us day by day. The question is, will we let Him guide us? Because we still got what's called a free will. We still got the right to say no. There's, there's God's perfect will, which we all should desire to walk in, and then there's God's permissive will. Doesn't mean you ain't saved, just means you're not working, walking in that perfect way that God has for you. If we could get all the Christians in the world to walk in God's perfect will versus His permissive will, and I'm way off script, I'm going with it. It just dawned on me this morning and the Lord planted His thought. People get so wrapped around the axle about doing things a certain way and worrying about normal protocols and that. God just told us in a service a couple of weeks ago, or was it last week, He said He's going to do a new thing. And, and, and I believe in what God's planted in my heart in the past, the great revivals that have happened seem to be confined to a unique place. We had the revival in Kansas. We had the Azusa Street revival. We had the revival in Florida. God's planting in my heart that revival's going to break out among God's people all over the place. Where the faithful are at, where the people are truly seeking His presence, that's where revival's going to break out. So if each and every one of us is doing like the song said and we're putting our trust in Him, we're walking in His perfect will, the presence of God's going to be here. The presence of God's going to hit this place. Revival's going to come. I want to be in one of those places where God's presence is at. I believe there's a lot of churches this morning where God ain't nowhere near that place. There's a lot of churches this morning that are preaching messages that don't necessarily bring glory to God, but they tickle people's ears and they make people feel good about themselves. I want you to feel good about the fact that you are saved, you're blood-bought, and you're saved by the precious blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. We should feel good about that. We should feel proud of the fact, not proud in, in, in a haughty way, but proud of the fact that our Savior loved us enough that He died for us. We should feel proud enough of that fact to go and tell everyone about this Savior and try to get others into that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Caleb, don't worry about the sermon. 
It's gone. The Lord's put something else in my heart this morning. We'll try to get there. If God's people would dig in and seek his presence, you know, we just went through Christmas, and we all got Christmas presents. And we all remembered the birth of Christ, but we should seek more than, than just Christ. He was the very, the very first Christmas present was Jesus Christ. A child was the first Christmas present. But we need to be seeking the other kind of presence. His presence among us here in the church. We need to be seeking the power of the Holy Spirit to fall upon our churches. It can't happen through man. It can't happen through, through cleverly devised sermons. It can't happen to, by just putting the right worship songs together. Yes, that's important. Yes, the sermon's important. But what happens and what brings revival is the presence of Almighty God's Holy Spirit in the house. And we, we, we need to be seeking that presence. Man, I tell you, during this fast, what are we in? About day 14 of the fast. As my flesh is being subdued and my spirit's being raised up, God is speaking to me that revival's coming. We've not got that much time because He's coming back. He's coming back very quickly. And before He comes back, He wants to see as many people as possible saved and brought into the kingdom of God. I'm not talking about necessarily just building the numbers of, of Puxy Co. Life Chapel. I'm talking about kingdom building focus. We need to be about building the kingdom. The overflow of us being about building God's kingdom, yes, our church will probably grow. That's a side benefit. Our first priority should be getting people saved. Worried about their eternal destiny. We should all have a heart for the lost. Because every one of us was lost at one point or another. Every one of us was lost at one point or another. Every one of us needed a Savior. Every one of us at some point in our life either came to that point or were near that point where we need to make that profession in Jesus Christ. Every one of us we're there. Somebody told us the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody came to us and explained it in a way we could understand the gospel of Jesus Christ and the fact that we were separated from God Almighty by sin and that we needed to be reconciled to God and they explained how to get there. Somebody done that. We've got real fancy in the churches today about certain messages and motivational speeches and all that. But, but when you get right down to it, the message of the cross is what should be preached the most in the churches. And if the message of the cross returns to the churches and the true message of salvation, there always should be a focus on Jesus. There, I would submit to you today, there's probably churches today you won't even hear Jesus' name mentioned. There probably is. But we need to focus on the message of the cross and we need to focus on salvation. And everybody has a role to play in that. And it may not be, you may not be a preacher, you may not be a Sunday school teacher, but you've got some part to play in that. If nothing else, living your life, letting your light shine like we sung this morning, and walking out that example to others. First and foremost, I don't care if you're a banker, a doctor, or a lawyer, whatever your profession is, a nurse, a doctor, whatever. First and foremost, you should be a Christian and a child of God and showing that to the world. There's a lot of times people look at you and if, if, if you know, the, the early Christians were persecuted and hauled into court for 
for speaking and preaching into that in the name of Jesus. If you were hauled court today, would there be enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? Would the people, if they hauled you to court and saying that it was illegal to be a Christian, and that time may be coming again, folks, where we get persecuted. Today, Christians are losing a lot of rights. They're taking the Ten Commandments out of the courthouses all across the land. and Well, you know everything that's going on. I don't want to paint doom and gloom. But what if we would stand up and be heard? What if we would let people see, first and foremost, we're Christian? Up front, I'm honored that I have a Christian dentist. I like the fact that I have a, a, a dentist when I go to his office to get dental work done, that there's Christian music playing over it. They make no bones about it. If you don't want to come in their dentist's office because they're playing Christian music, go somewhere else. I'm a Christian first, a dentist second. That's, that's my dentist's opinion. His whole staff is Christians. Whatever our profession in life is, wherever we're at, first and foremost, people should be able to see beyond a doubt whether even mailmen, <laughs> I'm, picking, I'm not picking on you mailmen, everybody, wherever you're at, first and foremost, they should see that you're a Christian. In the sermon, I'm going to get to my sermon. The Lord's going to let me get there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to the sermon. Oh, yeah, we, we, we can go for two or three hours. Somebody said, oh, no, I got beans on the stove. No. But first and foremost, we need to be leading the people to Jesus. If by nothing else, if we never open our mouths, they can just tell there's something different about us. They need to see that. How many have ever had people come up to you and say, man, there's something different? They just notice it. That's a compliment. That's a testament that, that, that you're living right when people come to you and ask you to pray for them or without knowing who you are. Come up to you and say, man, I sense. I sense there's something different about you. I sense you're a Christian. Will you, will you pray for me? That means that that light's shining through you. You're doing right. God wants us to walk in His perfect will. And every one of us, God has a path for us to take. Every one of us, God has something He wants us to do. And usually, we start thinking about it at a young age, and eventually, we get there. Along the way, Satan will try to keep us from reaching our dreams. He'll try to reach us. He'll, he'll try to prevent us from fulfilling the dream or the vision that God has given us for, his, for our lives. How many ever had a dream and it got blocked? Something popped up that caused you from reaching your goal or your dream or your vision. I was called to be a preacher and, and the Lord gave me a vision of ministry when I was 21 years old. But Satan kept blocking it. And I wasn't doing what I needed to do to walk in it. And eventually I got there. But this, this morning we're going to start out in Acts chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 17. I want to read that verse to you this morning. It talks about the last days and the power of the Spirit. Acts 2.17 And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. 
Father, I pray as I deliver this word this morning, Lord, that your anointing be upon me, Father God, that hearts are prepared to receive this message. And Lord, that when we leave this place today, we say, yes, it's been good to be in your house, Father. Something has happened today that has affected me. Something has happened today that has caused me to have more hope or to have more zeal to serve you more fully. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of us had dreams when we were young. I used to dream that I'd be a fireman. I didn't make that dream. I used to dream that I was going to be a sports hero. I didn't have the talent. It just didn't work out. How many of you had dreams like these? Had dreams of being a professional fisherman at one time. That didn't work out either. I catch a few fish, enough to eat, but I, I, I wasn't good enough to what I would call myself pro. I've had lots of dreams. I've had lots of visions of doing stuff. But the, the, the visions and the dreams that, that God plants in people are so that His purposes can be fulfilled. Some of those dreams and visions that I had for my life were coming from my flesh and my personal desires because I wanted the respect of being an astronaut or whatever I was dreaming of being. Some of you have had dreams and visions of doing great things. And as you mature and as you seek God, God will give you a true vision and a tr or a true dream of where He wants you to go. We have had some dreamers and some visionaries in our country in years past. Tomorrow's Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday. Uh, some of you said, hey, we get a holiday for it. It's, it's more than a three-day weekend. It's honoring the life of a man that had a vision, had a dream of equality. And regardless of how you feel about the equal rights movement, it's not biblical to be a racist. It's not biblical to, to say any one group's better than anyone. Because I guarantee you if we all checked our pedigrees in here, they ain't none of us purebreds. Every one of us are a bunch of Heinz 57 blends. Okay, so there is no pure race. There was one guy tried to do that. He was his madman called Hitler. And even tried to exterminate God's chosen people, the Israeli nation. God wants us to love all people. Dr. King was given that dream of seeing equality. And he did it peaceful. Peaceful way of trying to make change. President John F. Kennedy he had a vision and a dream for our country. He wanted to, to clean up some of the corruption that was going on. Maybe one day we'll know the truth about his death, what really happened. There's all kinds of theories out there. But I believe that, that he was taken out because he was getting ready to make some radical changes in our country for the good. I believe it was for the good. And then his, his brother Bobby also and part of that was tied to civil rights. Part of that was tied to the gold standard. There's all, all kinds of things that was tied to. But God gave those men that vision or that dream to do great things for Him. Because God wants His country, this country, Africa, every country around the world to be living in peace. God would that all nations live in peace. At times, He's used the unrest for His purposes to be done. We were talking about it this morning. The early church began to grow because of the persecution. 
If you'll remember in the book of Acts, uh, Peter's preaching this opening verse. Peter is quoting the prophet Joel and what he had said about the last days. Well, the last days started right here, and we're still living in those last days. There are still young men and young women and old men and old women that are getting dreams and visions from God of things they need to be doing that bring glory to God and honor God and serve God and it gets them in God's perfect will. God will give you a dream or a vision for what He wants you to do. I guarantee you, if you seek God, He won't let you down. He's going to show you where He wants you to go. Here's what happens sometimes. We want to argue with God. Well, God, I'm just not feeling being a missionary to Uganda or Timbuktu or wherever you want me to go. And we argue with God. But whatever God is, is giving you the vision or the dream and planting a desire in your heart to do, if you will follow that, the peace, the serenity, the joy that fills your life, there is nothing better than knowing that you're walking in God's perfect will. There's no better feeling than knowing that you're doing everything you can to please God. You're following the vision and the dream He gave you for your life. There's no greater feeling in the world. And if you're not, and you know you're supposed to be doing something else, you know what that perfect will is, but you're over here, you're not necessarily sinning, you're not necessarily lost, but you're not on that perfect track with God. You're not following the vision or the dream He gave you for your life. You're not going to be totally happy. Because something's missing. There's something about walking in the Spirit, walking perfectly in the will of God, that there's a peace that comes over you that nothing rattles you. Folks, it took me a long time. I struggled for many years in my life to find my place in God. And I know some of you have done the same thing. And, and some of you may still be trying to, trying to get to that point. God doesn't expect us to be perfect people overnight. If we'll just be obedient, He'll begin to perfect us. He'll begin to bring us where we need to be. If we're obedient each and every step of the way. Your, flip on over, you're already in the book of Acts. Flip on over to Acts chapter 10. And I want to talk about an example, a uh, situation where someone, God gave some, some visions to some people, they obeyed, and good things come out of it. Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 1. It says, There was a certain man in Caesarea, called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers... And your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. So Cornelius, he's seeking God. 
It says in the Word that He's seeking Him. It said He had faithfulness to God. He prayed. He gave alms for the poor. He was a, a giving man, a praying man to God, but he still hadn't been reconciled to God. He still needed a Savior. God gave him the vision of what he needed to do to get closer to him. From his continuously seeking God. There's a lot of people today out there that are, that are seeking God. They haven't been reconciled to God, but they're seeking Him. There may be that last thing that's missing. There are people that cry out to God. Sinners, they cry out to God a lot. They want to believe He's real. They want to believe He can help where they're at, and they're reaching for Him. But they hadn't had that, that key that gets them where they can communicate with God more perfectly. That gap's got to be bridged. And Jesus Christ is, is, is how that gap is bridged. But he's telling him, he says, I've heard your prayers. I've seen your faithfulness. Go get Peter. So his, his, he's basically saying, go get Peter, because he knows Peter will tell him the truth. He knows Peter's going to tell him what he needs so he can bridge that gap that's between him and God caused by being born into this world of sin. He's a good man. It says he's a good man. He's respected among the Jewish people even. And not all Roman soldiers, in fact, most Roman soldiers and even tax collectors weren't respected by the Jewish people. This particular man had a good reputation among them. He was responsible or a centurion would be in charge of a hundred men. He's right there in an important trade city. Big metropolitan area. No doubt if, if Cornelius... If he gets the gospel message, one day he will most likely return to his home country of Rome, his home uh, to, to, to Italy, to Rome, to the Roman Empire. Because soldiers, thank God, they didn't leave us in one place all the time. We got to move around and eventually we got to come home. So eventually this centurion, this soldier, will go home. If he can go home with the knowledge of the saving grace of Jesus Christ, imagine how he can evangelize when he goes home. So God spoke to this man in a vision. He spoke to him clearly in a vision. You go get this man, he will tell you what you need to do. Let's read on, verse 9. The next day as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up to the housetop to pray about the sixth hour and he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven. Now Peter wondered within himself what the vision which he had seen meant. 
And behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Cornelius listened to the angel that came to him in his vision, sent for Peter, But meanwhile, somebody say meanwhile, he's working on Peter at the same time. The key to Cornelius getting where he needed to be was Peter doing what he needed to do to be obedient to God, walking in God's perfect will, obeying God so that Cornelius could have answers to his prayers. It's like that many times in the kingdom of God. Our blessings, our direction, our confirmation may be tied to someone else. That's why it's so important to not forsake assembling together in church. You may be the one the Lord gives a word to, or you may be the one that gives that encouraging word to brother or sister, somebody else that needs to hear. You may be confirming something to them that God told them just by encouraging them. You never know. And, and I'm not one of those that goes around telling people, hey, God told me to tell you something. I don't. I guarantee you, if, if I call out, hey, God wants somebody healed of a certain thing, or if I call out God saying this to someone, I guarantee you, God said it to me strongly two or three times. I don't, because I don't want to say something improper. I don't want to speak from my flesh. That's why I really don't like to know a lot of people's personal business. Because if God speaks to me to say something, then they know it's from God and not me. They'll say, well, somebody just told them I was thing or whatever. So, so, um, but anyway, Peter, at the same time that this man has sent these soldiers and they're on the way, Peter's up there, he, he's, he's praying, he's in a trance. God has to adjust Peter's attitude by showing him something. He used the symbolic uh, symbols of animals that according to Old Testament law in Leviticus chapter 11, were unclean to eat, among those being catfish. And I know we all love catfish. God's cleaned them up. We can eat catfish. Okay. But under Leviticus law, you could only eat fish, for example, that had the skin and uh, had the scale and the fin. Catfish don't have scales. He, he showed him a bunch of different animals. Probably showed him some pigs and things like that, that that were not meant to be eating. They were unclean. That's why God told uh, Moses not to let the people eat them. It was for their own good health-wise at the time. There's a lot of people today can't eat pork. When they don't eat pork, they get their blood pressure under control. Pork's been known to raise people's blood pressure, cause people to have problems. 
But anyway, he's using the example that he knows Peter clearly understands the Levitical law and what is unclean and what he's not supposed to eat. So he uses that to tell him and to get it straight in his mind. He's cleaned it up. But then he makes it clear to him, he realizes somewhere in there, after God told him three times, don't call what I've said is clean, dirty. If finally somewhere in there it hits Peter that he's talking about people, he's talking about humans, not this food. He used something symbolic to show Peter that he loves all people. Not, the gospel is just not for the Jewish people any longer. That's the, the lesson he's trying to teach Peter with this vision. He's trying to show him that Peter gets it. Peter gets it. But notice he told him three times. How many times Peter denied the Lord? Three times. I wonder if when he's telling him this, I believe he probably, I bet Peter remembered Jesus telling him three times to go and feed his sheep. Three times he told him, don't call dirty what I've cleaned. Three times he had told him to go and feed his sheep. I believe Peter made the connection. I believe that, that three times, it's like high school kids, you've got to tell them something three times or they don't learn it. Caleb, it's that way with middle school too, right? You got to tell them three times to get them to learn it. Peter was the same way. He had to be told three times. Well, he got it. And he obeyed. And he was ready to do whatever God told him. At that third time, it probably hit him. Lord, you know that I love you. It probably hit him. Because that third time when, when, when Jesus had told him to, to feed his sheep, Peter almost out of the strongest emotion, said, Lord, you know I love you. Third time, yes, Lord. What you have called, what you have cleaned, I will no longer call dirty. So he made the connection. And then as the men arrived, the Spirit spoke directly to him and said, I've sent these men to you. Go with them. Trust me. Doubt nothing. Now, he brings them into his house. He lodges them there. It says the next couple verses, it says, Then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day he went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. He obeyed. He let them come in. He was listening. He was listening to God. But what Peter just did as a good, devout Jewish Christian, he believed in Jesus, but again, he's still a Jew. And Jewish law... And Jewish way of doing things, you didn't affiliate or associate with the Gentiles. But look how many times he'd seen Jesus do it. Jesus had reached out to everyone. Peter still had in his mind that he was a Jew. So, and, and that he shouldn't affiliate with these people that were not Jews. This vision, he told him, what I have cleaned, do not call it dirty so he's telling Peter, you need to go with them. Trust me. And Peter, Peter knew the message of salvation. So when, when he, he, he takes off and he goes with them. Let me, let me just read on. He, he obeys. God told him to go. He heard it three times. So he takes off and he goes with them. Let me, let me read a little further. And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them. And had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, Stand up. I myself am also a man. In other words, don't worship me. I'm not worthy of your worship. 
And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now therefore, we are all present before God to hear all things commanded you by God. Man, that'd be every preacher's dream, have a house full of people ready to hear and listen to whatever God has given you to say. Glory, I want, I want a day like that to happen. Then Peter opened his mouth and said in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching a peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. This word you know which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they killed by hanging on a tree, him God raised on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witnessed that through his name, whosoever believes in him will receive remission of sin. The gospel message. Peter laid the gospel on him. While he was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter because of the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. Okay, let's, let's, let's get a grasp on what's happened here. Peter has obeyed Cornelius obeyed first, sent for the man. Cornelius needed to hear how to, how to meet God. He needed to hear how to get there. When he goes here, Peter lays the gospel on him and preaches. It's, it's by the death of Jesus Christ that we can be reconciled to God by believing in Him. 
and the work He did on the cross and the fact that He, he, he rose on the third day. And He's the one that God has appointed as His Son to judge the living and the dead. Believe in Him and you'll be saved. They all believed what they heard. The Holy Spirit fell upon them. They not only got saved, they got baptized in the Holy Ghost the same day. And then they, Peter immediately they proceeded into water baptism. Because Peter dropped what he had known, dropped his uh, feeling of wanting to, to, to follow the law. God said, go, don't worry, trust me, do it. Peter knew it was illegal. It was against Jewish law and, 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 and against, it was wrong. He could have been punished for going. And later on in the next chapter, in chapter 11, when he goes back uh, among the other disciples, he has to explain to them that God showed him the vision and why he stepped outside the faith. And later on, of course, the Apostle Paul, the same way. Even the Apostle Paul needed a Savior. Cornelius needed a Savior. Cornelius was a good man. But he still needed a Savior. Folks, I submit to you, y'all know some good people out there that still need a Savior. We all need a Savior. And there's some good people out there that, that they may not be, they may be law-abiding citizens. They may be, you know, giving people. They give lots of money to charity and whatever. But they have never had their heart cleansed. They have never been reconciled to God. There's a reason it says you're saved by faith in the grace of God rather than good works. But there are many people out there who are doing good works and think because I'm a good person, then I'm okay. They still need a Savior. Cornelius still needs a Savior, even though he was basically a good man. And Peter, obeying, come and gave him the Word of the Lord. God gave visions to both of those men what they needed to do. Men's is not a word. Both of those men. Get to talking fast sometimes. But he showed them both what they needed to do. Both of them were obedient and followed the instruction of that vision. I've had many times dreams and visions. One dream in particular that God gave me one time, if I hadn't followed that dream and obeyed that dream and remembered that dream, I would have been dead today. One time God gave me a dream. I was on maneuvers in Fort Polk, Louisiana. Had a dream the night before a big day when we were moving a lot of supplies and setting up a camp. We were going in and setting up a bear base camp during an exercise. The night before we started doing all that movement, I mean, we, were, we worked hard. There was six or seven guys in three or four trucks, and we were just, we were, man, we were getting it. We were busier than a cat in a litter box. I mean, we were getting it. That's busy if you've ever watched a cat in a litter box. But we were getting it. But that night before we set out to do that, God gave me a dream. Keep in mind, I wasn't necessarily walking with God at this time. He gave me a dream. And in this dream, it scared me. It got my attention because He showed me laying on a pile of leaves under a tree. My body was laying there, but my head was separated from my body. And I'm looking at that and I'm like, oh my. It was a warning. And in that dream, I saw my body laid out, no head. I was dead. The very next day, all day long, that dream stayed with me. It was like it was a warning. 
I was careful all day. I was watching what I was doing, even though we were working very hard. Toward the end of the day, we were getting tired. I was tired. My back was giving out on me. We was working in cold weather, and it was a rough day. And toward the end of that day, I got in a vehicle with another person who was driving a Humvee. And I'm riding in the passenger seat. And they were going to take us back uh, to get in our other vehicle, back to the little motor pool place, and we were going to go back to where we were supposed to be after we put all of our equipment up. So I'm riding in this truck, back to the in this Humvee, with this young lieutenant, female lieutenant, and she's zipping around there. And I'd been in and out of that yard all day picking up supplies, so I knew what was there. And she goes wheeling in there, and I didn't know if she'd been in there or not. But all of a sudden, that dream popped back in my head of me seeing myself decapitated. And she goes whizzing around this corner, and I knew what was around that corner. I yelled at the top of my lungs, Stop! She locked the brakes up as she's coming around the curb. I'm looking straight at a big metal wrecking ball that had she not stopped and whizzed on around that corner, would have took my head off. God warned me the night before. As we're speeding in, and I almost dropped my guard because I was so tired, and I'm just enjoying not driving, not working anymore. I'm relaxing as we're headed back to this yard where all of our equipment was at. But as I'm, as we started making that curve, I remember that there was one of them big trucks with a metal wrecking ball and it hanging there. And when she and she starts to go around that corner, and I yelled, "Stop!" And she stopped, and I looked up, and that ball's hanging right there, right in front of the passenger seat that Humvee. Had I not yelled, stop. Had that dream not kept me on guard all day to be careful and to be, and to be safety conscious, I wouldn't have yelled, stop. She would have made that corner and I'd have been decapitated. I guarantee it. God gave me that dream to warn me. Has God ever given some of you a warning dream like that? Anybody ever have a warning dream like that? Anyone ever have a vision to do something for God or a dream that God wants you to do something? I would say that, 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 that God works in dreams and visions more than you realize. In fact, the opening scripture I gave you, I said that God, I quoted what the prophet Joe said and Peter said the same thing on the day of Pentecost. I quoted where Peter was quoting the prophet. But God plants dreams and He plants visions and He gives us purposes for our lives. Peter, this was just one example where Peter followed God's purpose for his life. Peter kept following. This was monumental in Peter's life because this opened the gospel to the Gentile world. The Apostle Paul needed a Savior when he was Saul of Tarsus. He knew the old Scriptures. He was dedicated to the Word. He was a good Jew. A good Pharisee by the standards of what a good Jewish leader in the Pharisee uh, sect of the Jewish believers were. He was good, but he was still misguided. There's a lot of good people out there, but they still don't know the full truth of Jesus Christ. We need to get that message out there, and we need to be afraid, not be afraid, to step out of our comfort zone. Peter was way out of his comfort zone when he went to the Gentiles. He was way out of his comfort zone. Some of you sometimes, I'm sure God's put you way out of your comfort zone. He has me at times. I've went and talked with people that I didn't necessarily feel comfortable talking to. I've went into areas where I didn't necessarily feel comfortable going. 
I haven't always felt comfortable standing in front of a group of people and speaking. God will bring us out of our comfort zone sometimes. Sometimes He'll ask you to step out because it strengthens you. If we just keep doing what's comfortable to us, if Peter had just kept doing what was comfortable to him among the Jewish people, look how many people would have missed the gospel message. If the Apostle Paul would have stayed in his comfort zone and ignored when God, when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. What would have happened? Is there someone that God's given you a dream or a vision or something that God's asking you to do that might lead to the salvation of someone else? Because you see, all God's dreams and visions, they relate to His purpose of building His kingdom. They all relate to kingdom building. And along the ways, we get blessed, but, but the ultimate goal of God is to build the kingdom of God. Jesus came to build the kingdom of God. To seek and save the lost. Set people free. And to build up the kingdom of God of people who are fully devoted to God. I told you guys, I've told several of you earlier, and I think I told you all when I first started this morning, God has planted in my spirit revival springing up. It's not going to be a particular place. It's going to be anywhere where God's presence is at, there's going to be revival. It's up to the people in those places, wherever they're at. It could be all over the globe at once. In the past, and, and God keeps saying, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. Well, in the past, revivals seem to be pockets, right? The movements seem to start in certain areas. I believe that this revival is going to just kind of spring up all over what God showed me. You're going to see revival in certain pockets. I'd love to be right in the middle of it here in the Boot Hill, Missouri, right here in southeast Missouri, at the top of the Boot Hill where we're at. Man, I'd love for us to be right in the middle of this great end time revival. God is going to move where His presence is at, where people are welcoming Him, where people are not afraid to follow their dreams, follow their visions for ministry, to get out of their comfort zones, to reach out to people that may not look, smell, or act right. Because look at the people that God, that Jesus chose originally for His first twelve. Most of them were some pretty shady characters. Fishermen and tax collectors and, and the lot. They weren't exactly the most respected men and women. He didn't go to the, to, to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and pick them to be His disciples. And some of us, we were probably just like Peter or worse. I think I was worse. But if we will dare to dream like President Kennedy and Dr. King, be obedient to the dreams and vision like Cornelius and Peter. What great things could God do if His people would walk in those dreams? If His people would walk in those visions? If His people made Him the most important part of their life every day. Not just on Sundays. Not just on Wednesdays. Not just when they go to youth camp or kids camp or, or some women's retreat or men's special function retreat or whatever. Not just when it's convenient. But every day their focus was God first, family next, career next. That's pretty much the priority we should all be living. God, family, career. 
If God is first in your life, He's going to shine through in your family life. He's going to shine through in your actions on your job. You're going to be, you're going to be just walking with God. Man, wouldn't that be cool? I, I want to go up in the rapture. If not, I'd like to be like Enoch and just walk with God and walk right on into heaven. But we've got to make sure we're doing everything we can to walk in line with His perfect will. Now, just because you're not in God's perfect will don't mean you're not saved, but you're not exactly happy. And, and, and you're going to be miserable if you're not growing and if you're not moving forward in what God gives you. Because God didn't save any of us to stay just saved, ready to go to heaven. He, he has a vision or, or a dream that each one of us needs to fulfill. We all have a purpose. Your purpose may be tied to that one honorary customer that walks in your place of business. That you have to stand there and put up with their ugliness. And then by the way you deal with their ugliness and you still let the love of Christ shine through you to them, what a witness. It's pretty cool when you're talking to someone on the phone business-wise and you end up praying with them before you get off the phone with them. That was cool. The lady at uh, GM Financial the other day, I prayed with her on the phone. I called her just trying to straighten out some business with a car title. Before it was over, she was crying and I was praying for her. I just let Jesus be who I am. I'm conducting my business for my personal life, but Jesus is so in me that He's always there. And that's the way each and every one of us should strive to be that, that, that Jesus is always there with us. We're walking in obedience to Him like Peter did. When He tells us to go, we go. We don't question and say, oh, but them's the people, them's the people in that house that did this, that, and the other. Lord, I can't go talk to them. I can't go invite them to church. Why not? Peter went to the Gentiles and he broke with all tradition and law. He stepped out. Preach on it again one time. Remember when he stepped out of the boat? Whew, that took faith. I'm sure he wasn't real comfortable stepping out there and then for a moment he lost his faith and began to sing. That's a good sermon for another day. But if we would just walk in that dream, and you might say, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. Have you asked Him? I don't know what God wants me to do. I'm saved. I gave Jesus my heart. But I don't know what God wants me to do. He may want you just to be the best person and let His love shine through you right where you're at. You may be doing what you're supposed to do in whatever your profession is. As long as He's in your life, that may be where He wants you to be. Because there may be people coming on your job site or whatever that God wants you to reach. You may Not everyone's called to be a preacher, a missionary, whatever. I understand that. Whatever your career is. When I was teaching school, I was doing ministry. I know I was. Caleb knows he's doing ministry teaching school. God has called him to that. That's, been, that's the dream. That's the desire. That's the vision that God planted in him. What dream, vision, or task has God planted in each of you? Are you living up to it? Whatever you're doing, if God's in it, He's going to show you. God can use you wherever you're at. He may call you to somewhere that's out of your comfort zone. He may just ask you, 
to step up and be a little more bold in where you're at. But he's got a purpose for you. He's got something you need to be doing for him. Each and every one of us. If we will seek him. That's why we need to desire his presence so much. When revival happens, the first and most important reason of revival is not necessarily to get people saved. It's to get the church body revived. That means we're kind of lulled to sleep. We're kind of slipping into uh, a coma or something. We're, we're laid out in our comfort zones. We've got so comfortable in just being with all of our great body of believers, fellow believers in that, that we've lost that zeal for evangelism. We've lost that fire in our body. We've lost that burden for lost souls. I don't care what that woman said. I don't know. Some of y'all get end time headlines. There was some comedian that was starting to tell everybody there is no hell. Silverstone. Did you read that, Roger? She's telling people there is no hell. And people are believing it because she's a celebrity. People say, now I can just enjoy my sin and live comfortable. Some of them say, well, I don't believe in God anymore. God help us when we don't get out there and speak the truth. Because I'm here to tell you, there, just as there's a heaven, there is a hell. And there's people out there that are headed straight that way. And God wants to use each and every one of us to help get them where they need to get. We may be like Peter. We may be the one to share the gospel with them. We may just be the one like Cornelius's men that, 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 that gets, them, gets the guy there that needs to talk to him. If you're not comfortable necessarily in sharing the gospel message, but you know someone that's sick or terminally ill or whatever and they're not able to come to church and they need to hear the gospel, come get me. I'll go visit them. I don't care to go visit them. But we, we need to have that burden. We need to have that in us. Because all of us at one point in our life, we were headed towards the hell until we found Jesus, until we heard that truth. Peter went out of his comfort zone. He preached the gospel. He got himself. Imagine Cornelius eventually went back to his home country, went back to, to Rome or wherever he lived in the country of Italy, and he, and he began, you know, to take it with him. Because when you get good news, you can't keep it to yourself. When I get good service somewhere, I tell everybody, Man, you need to go eat at the uh, fish and pig at Popper Bluff. Their food is off the chain. <coughs> Anybody else feel that way? Is it just me? I like eating there. If you get bad service, you usually either don't say nothing or you tell people, hey, stay away from there. Well, I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ set me free. I want to tell you about Jesus. I want you to avoid going to hell. I want to tell you, how you can avoid going to hell. I want to I focus on the good. Sometimes people don't get it. You've got to tell them the bad before they'll accept the good. But if we all could just follow whatever dream or vision that God's speaking to us, it's related to our purpose in, in reaching other people and being kingdom builders. He wants us all to be part of the kingdom building process. Y'all got something flying around back there? Is there a bug? See, that's the Holy Spirit in the form of the blood of God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this message. Father, I thank you for the way that you speak to us. Lord, that you give us dreams. You show us visions. 
You guide us in what we need to do. Lord, you, you give us dreams sometimes of warning. You give us dreams sometimes of direction for our lives. Lord, you give us a vision of what we should be doing. Lord, you give us uh, a vision or a dream or let us know or speak to us in that small, still voice. You tell us things you want us to do, people you want us to see, places you want us to go. For each and every one of us, Lord, you have things for us to do, people for us to see, and places to go. Father God, I pray that each and every one that's here today, that's listened to this sermon, that within their hearts, Lord, something would be stirred that would say, Lord, show me. Show me what you would have me do. Show me what my purpose is. Show me what dream or what vision that, that I need to be walking in and I need to be pursuing. Show me, Lord, what you have for me. Lord, I know that first and foremost, I should live for you. I, I, I know that. The, the preacher has drilled that into our heads. But Father God, I pray, and this should be each of our prayer. Lord, show me what I need to be doing. Give me clear direction for my life. Give me clear vision of what I need to be doing to be in your perfect will, Lord. Lord, 